In 2023, I am going to expand the horse race to become the Big Ten champion from two to three. Because I am putting Penn State in that category. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. We are back into the groove here. Three days a week in the off seasons. But, you know, we might kind of maneuver with that a little bit. There's so much on our plate that we want to kind of get out there into the universe. So much content to be had. So many things to catch up on, too. I mean, goodness gracious. The world of college football continues to spin almost in uncontrollable fashion. Now, we're, we're going to get to all those stories. I can promise you it might not be a place. Look, we don't really break a ton of news here on Always College Football. We just react. So we will get to it as soon as humanly possible. But we're going to continue on today with our series of breaking down some of the top leagues and some of the top programs in those leagues and answer some significant questions. We did the SEC on Monday. Today is the day to start to focus on the Big Ten. We take the two big bad wolves out of the way, and then we'll get to the Big 12 on Friday. We'll get to the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Group of Five next week as well. So there's a lot that we need to look forward to here as it relates to the Power Five. Big Ten's up today. Who are some risers? What does it look like at the top? Is it a two-horse race, or is this year, is it potentially a three-horse race in the Big Ten? What about this being the last year for divisions? What about a team that we might be a little bit concerned about? All those questions are going to have answers, and we're going to get to them right now because we don't want to waste any time. Now it's time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It's the sound to start selling on Shopify, packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. Now, it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ACF, all lowercase, go to shopify.com slash ACF to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash ACF. For a while now, or at least it's felt like this as it relates to the Big Ten, it's felt like a two-horse race. But is 2023 the year that we need to potentially expand our horizons just a little bit? to include Penn State, given what they have returning. Let's go through the rosters. Let's start at the top. Right now, a lot of people are kind of, if you look through kind of the way too early top 25s, they're like, well, some have Michigan, some have Ohio State. I'm kind of indifferent on the order because both have significant question marks. I mean, both also have a lot of things to be excited about that are returning. But 
since they won it last year, since they were the top dog in the Big Ten the last two years. Let's start with Michigan. Let's look at what they have coming back. They've returned six on the offensive side, eight on the defensive side. But when you look at some of the losses on the defensive side, there are some that are fairly significant. Now, you might sit there and say, well, eight are returning. They're going to be great. Yeah, but Mozzie Smith, Mike Morris, a few other guys there on defense that are pretty dang legit. And then offensively, you think, well, you know, return six, bring back your quarterback, bring back big quorum. Got to be feeling pretty good about what they're looking like offensively. How could you not? Young quarterback, probably going to take another step. You have what I think was, you know, a Heisman contender in Blake Corum that decided to return. Yeah, all that's true. And having skill position guys is excellent. But personally, I kind of like the beef up front when it comes to Michigan. That's kind of what's made Michigan who they are. So to lose Olu Oluwatimi is significant. To lose Ryan Hayes is significant. You know, to lose Schoonmaker at tight end, who obviously is a playmaker. We all know what he's capable of when contributing in the pass game, but I do think in some ways he was a bit of a tone setter as well. The guy was physical, did a good job there being a traditional hand-in-the-dirt tight end for the Michigan Wolverines. So he's very, very good, probably the most underappreciated player, arguably, on their entire roster. Him being gone will not be easy to replace. Now, they've gone out and they've attacked the portal. Defensively, we talked about how you lose a couple great pieces up front. Well, they've done a pretty good job of going out and trying to address that. They go get Josiah Stewart. They go get Ernest Hausman from Nebraska, one of those off-the-ball linebackers that I think could be a difference maker at the second level or if you want to get him a little bit to the edge. You look at where they're at as far as how they've attacked the portal, though, man. They have made offensive line a priority. Who's done a better job in the last couple of years than Michigan in going out and locating significant difference makers in the trenches? Remember, just mentioned Ola with Timmy just a minute ago. The guy won the big guy Heisman. He won the Outland. All right. He transferred from Virginia. Well, everyone's clearly recognizing that. So what did they do? They go out and they get three offensive linemen in the portal that might be day one impact guys. But Darius Henderson, going to be probably a good one. He's the transfer up from Arizona State. You go get Miles Hinton and Drake Nugent. Those two guys might factor in as well along the interior, depending on how it all kind of sorts itself out, depending on where they're at and all the guys and all this other stuff. Obviously, it's not, I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend like I am going to go deep in the weeds as far as offensive line play is concerned. You know me. Offensive line is important. I'm not denying that, but there are other outlets where you can hear about it. You're not going to hear about it as much right here. I do recognize, however, that when you're Michigan and your bread is buttered, Along both lines of scrimmage, you better be pretty good up front. They do lose some key pieces there. When you look at JJ McCarthy, he obviously had a great year last year. What step would be considered significant here in 2023? I, for one, think he's just scratching the surface. Uh, I think he's poised for a massive leap in 23. Really believe that. Now, I do think he's got that moxie, that you know, that I'm I'm the GOAT type of approach that you have to have as a young player. But we've seen that thing go sideways a little bit too if a guy doesn't continue to stay within the system. But I do feel like this is a player that can shoulder the load and can elevate his impact even more significantly. Now he's going to have to do so without Ronnie Bell, going to have to do so without the aforementioned schoolmaker. But either way, they should be in pretty good shape as it relates to marrying up the run game with the pass game. We know they're going to run the football. That's who they are. Michigan ain't changing. 
Jim Harbaugh for as long as he's here and with him reaffirming that he's going to be there, they're not going anywhere and they're not going to abandon what's gotten them to two consecutive Big Ten championships. All right. They're going to continue to try to pound you. So expect Blake Corum to have another big year. You look at the defensive side. I do think Turner and given the fact that Morris was the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year, those two guys being significant losses, not going to be easy to replace. But you look at the culture and the foundation that has been laid, plus the additions that I already mentioned in the portal. They're probably going to have some guys that help immediately. And you look at Stewart just by himself, Josiah Stewart, who I referenced earlier as far as portal additions, 12 and a half sacks at Coastal Carolina in 2021. So maybe he can be an immediate take over the game type of defender along the defensive line. So a lot to be excited about with Michigan. However, I think my biggest concern was along the offensive line. They've done an adequate job of replacing those pieces, but there still remains a couple question marks. Let's go to the other big bad wolf in the Big Ten East. That would be the Ohio State Buckeyes. CJ Stroud's gone. Shocker. Both tackles are gone in Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones, both of which look really good and at times played really good, but we're a little bit inconsistent from time to time. You also lose your right guard in Matthew Jones. And on the defensive side of the football, you had some impact departures as well. Teron Vincent, their defensive tackle is a really good player. Zach Harrison's been around for a long time. He's an excellent player, and you lose Ronnie Hickman there in the back end. Now they have gone out. They've addressed a couple of those needs in the portal. And you look at what happened last year. They went toe-to-toe with the best team in America and had the ball on their racket as the clock was winding down. You actually, in some ways, had they not butchered the final end of the game sequence, the three plays that led to the Ruggles 50-yard field goal, you might have had a more manageable and more makeable field goal that would have actually given you a chance. And if you win that game, is there anyone out there? Tell me if you are. Raise your hand if you are. Do you think that Ohio State would have lost to TCU? Because I don't think they would have. I think they were this close to potentially winning that elusive national championship. You have to, of course, do so without a couple of star players in the process. Yes, you lose Jackson Smith and Jigba, but what? Did he have 30 years, thirty yards last year? I mean, how many yards did he have? No impact whatsoever. You bring back two of the best in America, in Emeka Igbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Plus, you know there's a handful of great players waiting in the wings at Ohio State, ready to step up in the absence of one of those two individuals. For instance, Jackson Smith and Jigba, everyone making him out to be, oh, this guy's the best thing since sliced bread. He's going, you know, he's a, by far the best dude going. He's going to be just fine. All this other stuff, great. But what happened when he was lost for the season? Instep Jigbuka didn't skip a beat whatsoever. Now, who's going to replace CJ Stroud? Here's the question I would ask you. A lot of people very concerned about this. Self-included, how could you not be? C.J. Stroud was a terrific football player and did a lot of great things in a Buckeye uniform. But tell me this. When was the last time Ohio State had a liability at quarterback? And just out of sheer curiosity. It's almost gotten to the point now where Ohio State and that offense in particular, plug and play, man. I'm not saying that you know you, you can just have an average dude out there that's not good and still put up big numbers. No, but think about who's surrounding him in the supporting cast. Think about the stars that they have at wide receiver and all the stars they have 
at running back and all the great, great productivity that returns. They're going to be just fine at quarterback if you just stay within the system. And you think about C.J. Stroud. There were some moments, especially in his first year as a starter, maybe it's a little up and down, maybe that first half against Indiana, maybe the first half against Minnesota. Not Indiana, Minnesota, the first game of the year. Maybe he looked a little shaky, but goodness gracious. I mean, they're going to be fine at quarterback. So I, I really, as crazy as it sounds, I don't care if it's Kyle McCord. I don't care if it's Devin Brown. I just don't care. As long as Ryan Day's calling the plays, as long as they still have the weapons that they have, they're going to be just fine. A lot of people say, well, what about what about the offensive linemen? What about what about losing those guys that might be potentially drafted in you know the first round, what have you? Get that concerning. Um, but I do think their offensive line can probably... First of all, I thought the group was overrated last year anyways. Uh, and secondly, I think their offensive line is just needs to get in the way. They let the playmakers make plays. And they don't need to have some big physically imposing group. They're not Michigan. They are different than Michigan. So just don't be a liability and you'll be just fine. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time worrying about what they lost on the, on the offensive side, uh, especially along the line of scrimmage. On the defensive side, that's where I'm a little bit concerned. Not that they had a bad year by any stretch. There was progress. There was growth shown this year. There was. But I still think, when I think of the best Ohio State football teams, and you guys think back, man, 2014, 2015, uh, you know, in some in some ways, you can maybe say uh, 2017, whatever. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Think about the best Ohio State football teams, 2019, whatever. They had major game records along the line of scrimmage. I mean, game records along the defensive line. Most notably, guys named Bosa, but other guys as well. I mean, game records along the defensive line. 17, maybe not so much, but still. Game wreckers across the board. Those guys are a little bit fewer and farther between than they were at one point. Now, Zach Harrison always had the upside. He's gone now, but he always had the upside. Just never really put it all together every single snap of every single game of every single season. Just for whatever reason, just didn't didn't ever come together as consistently as I would have liked. Now, very optimistic about Jim Knowles' system, growing, continuing to be aggressive, very optimistic about where they're going and the progress that they made. But I would still like to see their personnel along the line of scrimmage play at an insanely high level. I also think in the back end, they're not what they once were. Remember, we're always going to measure teams based on what they've been in the past. Where is Ohio State relative to where they've been in the past? Because last I checked, they don't have two dudes that are going to drafted in the top 10 out at corner right now. Maybe someday, but not right now. So cautiously optimistic, but still questions do to a certain extent remain. I think they're going to be really, really good. Maybe I'm not going to say better. I'm not going to say better. I think anybody that just assumes, well, CJ Stroud's gone, Ohio State's going to take a step back. I'm just not going to see it that way. I'm not. I think they're going to be really good. I think they'll be really good again. Here, however, is where things are different this year for me. This is not just a two-horse race. In the Big Ten. In 2023, I am going to expand the horse race to become the Big Ten champion from two to three because I am putting Penn State in that category. Now, people are going to say, hey, hang on a second. What, what? 
y'all, it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan every single year. Fair. I get that. I understand what the last two years have looked like. But I also have done a deep dive on Penn State, have called their games, have met with their coaches, have seen the progress made on the defensive side of the football under Manny Diaz. You're going to say, well, what about the Michigan game? I get that the Michigan game was a bad game. I get that. I, I saw that too. That tape, if I were Manny Diaz and any member of that Ohio State defense, I would bury it in the backyard. That tape is gone. I want nothing to do with the Michigan-Penn State tape from 2022. I get that. But I cannot use one game as an example of, a, of flaws. Like, Okay, they played really bad that night. No doubt. That afternoon, I guess. Kicked off at noon. Played really bad that afternoon. But that was the anomaly performance. Most of the time, they played pretty well on that side of the football, including a three-quarter stretch against Ohio State in which they played really well. And their offense didn't do them a lot of favors in that game, I might add. But they played really well in that three-quarter performance in keeping the Buckeye offense in check. They returned six on offense, seven on defense. Couple of key losses, for sure. You lose Joey Porter in the back end at corner. Big, significant loss. You lose a couple of decent defenders along the line of scrimmage defensively in Tarburton and P.J. Mustafer. Two significant losses. I think Jair Brown is probably the... It'll be talked about the least among the departures with Penn State, but you can make a strong argument. He was their best defender. You can make a strong argument. He was the best player on the field for them on defense. And then on the offensive side of the football, I think you lose couple of pretty good players in Parker Washington, a wide receiver. I think Brenton Strange, probably the most underappreciated offensive player, not that dissimilar from Jair Brown. Jair Brown, nationally, nobody talks about him. The guy's the real deal. Probably play forever in the league, have a great career. The other guy that I think might have a nice NFL career is Brenton Strange. This guy was totally under the radar, but was physical, had a presence to him, was very effective in the pass game, just like the rest of the tight end group was. And then, of course, the guy that most people will talk about this entire offseason is Sean Clifford. Now, no matter how you feel about him, the love-hate relationship that you might have had with Sean Clifford, the guy was there for a really long time, threw a lot of touchdowns, made a lot of plays, won a lot of games. And I do think when you look at his mobility, there was some real positives with Sean Clifford that will not be there when Drew Aller takes over as the starting quarterback. I watched these guys. Everyone talked about Drew Aller. So when we called their game against Minnesota, first thing I did when Penn State took the field was I want to go watch Drew Aller throw the football. Hear about how gifted he is, how the ball comes off his hand, all sorts of stuff. All that could not be more true. The guy can flat out rip it. Big, big arm. Big, big body. But mobility is a significant question mark with him. And Sean Clifford, for all of his flaws, did a pretty good job of keeping plays alive, keeping the defense honest with his legs, and making something out of nothing on a fairly regular occurrence. So while it won't be... You know, not that Drew Aller doesn't potentially have more NFL upside than Sean Clifford. He probably does. But it's not a slam dunk to be able to replace all that experience and to do so with a skill set that requires you to stay and live from within the pocket. But you look at some of the best players that were on this roster this past year. The reason why I'm so optimistic about Penn State, so many of the guys that are coming back were so dang young this year. So young. You look at Catron Allen, Nicholas Singleton, 
Lambert Smith, Keandre Lambert Smith at wide receiver, Kalen King, Abdul Carter at linebacker, Kalen King, of course, playing at corner. This team has a young nucleus of talent that's only going to continue to grow and get better. And one of the biggest leaps that you make as a player is from year one to year two. Then you add in a couple of impact transfers and impact key additions like Devin Carter at wide receiver, Storm Duck, the transfer from North Carolina. He's going to fill in that spot that was voided by Joey Porter. Plus, you take into effect another year in the system under Manny Diaz. There's a lot of momentum that's been created off the Rose Bowl champs. Now, if I had to pick the horses right now between Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, I'm probably, just to be honest with you, going to take Ohio State 1, Michigan 2, Penn State 3. But that grouping is as tight today as it's been at any point in the last handful of years. Look, Ohio State and Michigan have for the most part dominated the Big Ten. And Penn State has not won the Big Ten since 2016. It's been a while. But winning 11 games last year, think about what they bring back and the momentum that's been created. There's a lot of reason for optimism surrounding the Nittany Lions. Now we're going to move into the biggest question mark. Because we did this with the SEC a couple of days ago. The biggest question mark, and this is going to just be crazy when you hear me say this, the biggest question mark heading into 2023 in the Big Ten is Wisconsin. We're talking about a Wisconsin. We all grew up watching the Badgers, right? Like We all knew when we turned on Badger football, we knew what we were going to get. It was tried and true, going to run the football going to have big physical offensive linemen, going to have a big 270-pound fullback, going to have a quarterback that stays within the system, going to have dynamic defensive players in the front seven, going to have an impact safety or two every couple of years. Like You knew what you were going to get from Wisconsin. Well, that was that Wisconsin. The Wisconsin that's taken the field in 2023 is completely different based on the hires that have been made. Now, Luke Fickle, of course, is the new head coach. He comes up from Cincinnati. I don't need to tell you about who Luke Fickle is. Hopefully, by this point, you know what he's all about. He's the real deal and has proven it time and time again in his time with the Bearcats. But it's his coordinator hires that make it just a little bit more interesting. Offensively, they bring in Phil Longo, formerly of North Carolina, formerly of Ole Miss, and formerly of Sam Houston State. You think about who Phil Longo's been. He's an air raid disciple. When you think Wisconsin, and I say air raid in the same sentence, does it make your head spin? Because it makes my head spin, I might say. It makes my head spin. And then think about this. Think about this just for a second. In this upside down crazy world that is 2023 season of college football, you have impact transfers at wide receiver. Let me just say this again. Impact transfers at wide receiver that are going from USC, Southern California, to Wisconsin. That's what CJ Williams is doing. You have impact transfers at Oklahoma State that are now transferring to Wisconsin, like Bryson Green. You have two other receivers that were with 
Luke Fickle at Cincinnati and Will Pauling and Quincy Burroughs that are transferring to Wisconsin. Tell me a time ever in the last two decades, maybe three, that you've seen mass exodus from places with great weather that prioritize throwing the football that are saying, you know what? We're going to go to Madison and play our football. And to make things even stranger, how about the fact that Wisconsin has not only added wide receivers, but they've added a handful of quarterbacks in the transfer portal this year as well. I know. Believe me. It's backwards. Wisconsin has gone out and prioritized quarterbacks and wide receivers in the transfer portal. Couple that with what they have going on at running back, where Braylon Allen returns, and a couple of quality receivers that saw some time over the last couple of years. A couple of offensive linemen that have come up as well, transferring in, like Jake Renfro and Joe Huber from Cincinnati, coming with Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. Look at all the quarterbacks, man. It's absurd. Tanner Mordecai, Nick Evers, all these other guys are like, hey, yeah, I want to go play for Phil Longo. They just got another guy, Locke, from Mississippi State, decided to go up there. I mean, how many different transfers can you take at quarterback? They have five scholarship quarterbacks, adding a sixth under Phil Longo at Wisconsin. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to see how much this thing is going to transform. And then, look, everyone can talk about how they're going to move to a spread offensively. That's very exciting. We're all excited to see how that's going to look. Biggest question mark, but very excited. That's on the offensive side. How about moving on the defensive side from a traditional 3-4 that they've run forever, dating back to, gosh, I mean, J.J. Watt and all these other folks, like back in the early 2000s, like a 3-4, that's what you're getting. You put on Wisconsin, you're getting traditional 3-4. Simple as that. That was obviously under Jim Leonard and the previous regimes before him. Well, now Mike Tressel's coming in. And his backbone has been the 3-3-5 defense made popular by TCU there and Joe Gillespie this past year. Everyone started to talk about, well, 3-3-5, 3-3-5. Well, everyone's talking about the 3-3-5. It's the defense du jour in college football. Well, that's what Mike Tressel wants to major in. Is that what he's going to major in at Wisconsin? One would assume. Very different looking defense than what we've seen from Wisconsin in years past. So they are the biggest question mark by far heading into the 23 season. Not because we don't know if they're going to be good, just because... It's crazy to think that we're going to live in a scenario in which they're going to be running 10 personnel. Uh, I digress. Other things of significance. We talk about teams that we're concerned about. Talk about coaches under the, under the most heat. Coaches feeling the most pressure. Well, guess what? I can, I can answer all those questions right now with one team. That's the Michigan State Spartans. And, and it's partly because I think after what we saw in 21, Mel Tucker comes in. Goes 11-2, and two, wins a New Year's Six Bowl game, signs a massive contract. Now, year three, you're expecting a significant step up. Everybody's sitting there saying, hey, man, they're plug and play. They're portal, ha- they're portal happy, man. Everybody in the portal going wants to play for Mel Tucker, wants to go be a part of the Spartans, wants to go and, and do what they're doing, continue on what they've already accomplished. That's great. I agree with all that. There was a lot of reason for optimism after year two. No denying that. But now, Mel Tucker, if he has another substandard year, he's going to fall under the same umbrella as a Jimbo Fisher. Like, well, what has he done to earn that money? Why is he getting paid so much? Are they going to buy him out? Like, all that negativity that you hear about Jimbo 
is soon going to be levied on a Mel Tucker. And it's going to be fair. It's going to be reasonable because there are some question marks after a five and seven season that saw the team go up and up and up and up and down and down and down and down. They went all over the place this year. I mean, some really good moments. I mean, some, some solid moments. I mean, a couple of good wins, obviously. Beat Wisconsin, beat Illinois. I mean, it wasn't all for naught here in 22. But think about you go five and seven, a couple of good wins that I just listed. You also have a couple of wins against MAC teams. You know, so, and then you had the situation in the Michigan tunnel. Like, just the whole year was just negative around Michigan State. And if you rely heavily on the portal, and I have this theory, and you might agree with me, you might disagree with me. I have this theory that if you rely too heavily on the portal, that if things start to go a little sideways early in the season, guys will jump ship. I really believe that. So I want to see Michigan State get back on solid footing. Another year where they miss a bowl game would be very disappointing. But they're the team at this point that I am most concerned about. They're the team that I think still has reasonable expectations. And if they underachieve, then we're going to start to hear the boo birds come out for not just Michigan State, their players, their team, but people are going to start to get really concerned about the long-term health of the program if Mel Tucker continues to go about putting his roster together on an annual basis the way he has in the last couple of years. Another team that I'm a little bit concerned about right now, even though you look at their record, you feel good about where they finished, eight and five, five and four in the Big Ten, but it's the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm a little bit concerned about them. I mean, yes, all right, fine. You lose some great players on defense, right? You lose Jack Campbell. You lose Riley Moss. You lose Kayvon Merriweather. You lose Lucas Van Ness. You lose John Wagner. <laughs> you lose a lot of great players on the defensive side. But on the offensive side, you lose Arlen Bruce. You lose Sam Laporta. They've tried to go out. They've tried to attack this. They went out and they got Cade McNamara from Michigan. I think that's a good addition. Will be a significant upgrade at quarterback compared to what they've done in the past. You go get Eric All, also from Michigan. He's an excellent tight end that I think could potentially play a fairly significant role. Seth Anderson transfers in as well at wide receiver. You look at their offense, there's some reason to think, all right, well, maybe they're going to be significantly better than, than they were last year. Well, they were 130th last year. So there's only one direction to go. And I want to see them start to move. Look, you can be traditional. There's no nothing wrong with being traditional. But at some point, you have to start to factor in just a little bit with the modern era. And there's been a significant resistance to that. I'm not telling anybody that's watched Iowa football that they need to come into the 21st century. We all know that. All right. It's fairly obvious. All right. The good news is next year, they don't have Michigan. They don't have Ohio State. They have seven home games, but they have to go to Penn State and they have to go to Wisconsin. So Iowa might very well find themselves back in the Big Ten Championship next year. But guess what? After 2023, guess what goes away? Divisions. SC, UCLA are coming in. We're not 100% sure right now about where things stand in the immediate future for the divisions or how they're going to format it or whatnot. That's fine. We, we don't really know, you know any of those things right now. But if you want to kind of look ahead, how can you not be concerned about Iowa? Because they would perennially be in contention they're in the Big Ten West. Well, when you get rid of divisions and you're having to go up against Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, 
Michigan State in a year in which they rally up. Maybe Maryland, Wisconsin, all these other programs that have had equal, if not more significant success to you in the last 15 years. When you're having to play against teams that can match you and exceed you in personnel on an annual basis, and the race is against Michigan to get to the Big Ten Championship, as opposed to being against, say, Northwestern to get to the Big Ten Championship. Think about how much harder that job gets. So every team in the Big Ten West, I think, look, 2023, status quo. 2024, things are going to change, and things are going to change really quickly. Especially SC ain't going anywhere. The great teams in the Big Ten East aren't going anywhere. And when they get rid of divisions, guess what? Every single job in the West gets a whole heck of a lot more difficult. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Great breakdown into the Big Ten. Kind of hit some of the treetop topics that are front of mind as we head into the offseason. You Nebraska fans that are sitting here rolling your eyes saying, why did you talk about us? Y'all, there's way too many unknowns right now about Nebraska. We're going to get there. I promise. We're going to get there. Give me a week or two. Give me two weeks or two. Let's see the portal settle. Let's see Matt Rule finalize his staff. We'll see all that stuff, and we'll start to break down these teams individually at length. We're going to get there. There's plenty of time to get there. But like I said, I kind of include Nebraska in my final topic of discussion. There's reason to be concerned a little bit if you're in the Big Ten West right now. Why? Because it hasn't been outrageously difficult to find your way into the Big Ten Championship. Just hasn't. It's not negative. It's not a knock on Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska. It's not a knock on any of those programs, Purdue. But it's just been, it's been easier to get to the top of the mountain when you're going through that gauntlet as compared to the gauntlet that, say, Maryland has had to go through in recent years. Maryland's like, man, the, the week that I have off is like, we got to play, you know, a down Michigan state <laughs> who can beat anybody in the big 10 if they have their A game. So it's just, I think the, there is not a league in college football that has been more outside of maybe the ACC, but there has not been many leagues in college football that has been ab, as dominated by one specific side of the conference. The Big Ten East has dominated. Y'all, they've won nine consecutive 
Big Ten titles. The last Big Ten West team to win the Big Ten was in 2012. That was Wisconsin. It's been a minute. And it's partly because of the talent, I guess, or lack thereof, that populates those states. The Big Ten West has a difficult time. You look at Iowa. You look at uh, Nebraska. You look at Minnesota. There are far fewer Division I high-level Power Five players playing high school football in those respective states than there are in, say, Georgia or Ohio or North Carolina. Either way, it's just a more difficult gig. Now, NIL should help them because every single one of those states loves their college football. But I think it's going to get a little steeper for the Big Ten West, at least in the near future. The good news is I do think they've done a really good job of going out like Wisconsin has, like Nebraska has, of going out and hiring coaches that know how to do more with less. And if they can continue to make that a priority, then they should continue to have a very impressive, I guess, very impressive and consistent productivity and win-loss production over the course of their respective tenures. So that'll do it for us here on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. Our discussion on the Big Ten will never stop. We'll always continue to dive in. It's a great league. Will they continue to be, at worst, number two in college football? I do think the gap, especially the way people are kind of perceiving it right now, that everyone thinks the SEC's gap between the Big Ten is so significant. Sure, maybe in maybe in the middle or maybe even at or near the bottom of the league. Sure, I can understand that sentiment. But I can tell you this much. Ohio State, as proven by the Peach Bowl, they can go with anybody. Michigan, I know they didn't play well out there in the Fiesta Bowl in the semifinal against TCU. I still believe that Michigan can go with anybody. Penn State, as we saw earlier this year, absolutely smoked the Auburn Tigers. So these teams... At the top, I really believe the Big Ten at the top is as good as anybody in college football and will likely continue to be here in 2023. So that'll do it for us. Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster. I'm Greg McElroy. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy, presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.